Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WasteEd webinar. My name is Garnet, and I am the city coordinator for Leftovers in Edmonton. I use he, him pronouns, and this is the fourth edition of the WasteEd webinar. Last month, we chatted with the city of Edmonton, and I'd like to give a huge congrats to Sarah and Jana as the Waste Reduction Roadmap was recently approved. That's the what they've been working on for such a long time. So congrats to them. The Waste Ed webinar seeks to explore food waste in Edmonton. And we're talking with folks who we often have conversations with behind the scene and surfacing those conversations and building community and utilizing our hive mind to tackle this action or tackle this uh, challenge of food waste in our city to see how we can address it and how we can make some positive change in our community. The format for this evening, we will be having a discussion between myself and uh, these fine folks from Offer for the first 30 or 45 minutes, and then we'll open it up to a general chat uh, at the end and open to questions. Lastly, I'd love to do a quick treaty acknowledgement. Uh, most of us are gathered here from Treaty 6, and that is the traditional land of the Cree, the Saltu, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux, as well as many other Indigenous peoples uh, that have roamed this land for thousands of years and collected for thousands of years food in a very similar fashion to what we're talking about tonight, this backyard fruit rescue. And uh, it's lovely that we are starting to decolonize our food system and give access to people who don't otherwise have it. And let's keep Indigenous people in that conversation and in our hearts and in our minds as we start to take this approach. And let's constantly answer ourselves, how can we center or even um, include, better include Indigenous people as we continue to decolonize our food system? With that as a grounding, I would love to introduce our two guests. Sarah is the current president and longtime board member of Offer, and Mike is the one of the founders, uh, previous president, and currently is the orchard manager. Welcome, Sarah and Mike. Hi, thanks for having us. So excited to be here. Mm. I'm super excited to be here too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, to get very started. much looking forward to chatting. The, uh, so some background, the, the three of us met actually back in January and I had a one-on-one -on -one amazing session with these fine folks talking about fruit rescue and all that they've learned and we'll take off some highlights here in this uh, webinar to give everybody uh, some of that juicy info on backyard fruit rescue and the other work that Offer does. To start off, maybe Mark or Mike, could you walk us through how Offer started and what the goals are for Offer? Sure. So back in, a, it was uh, 2008, uh, 2009 that operation started. And it started uh, from a bunch of friends gathering for a potluck. It was actually my wife uh, was invited to the potluck. Uh, and a question was asked, uh, what can we do with all the fruit that's going to waste in the backyards? And many of the people there didn't actually have um, houses at the time or access to fruit. And uh, they decided that it's like, there's, all, there's a couple organizations, like uh, one's called Not Far From The Tree, and we should do some research and just get this thing going. We can rescue this fruit. And Offer was born with a phone number, a notepad, and an interview with CBC. 
and it grew exponentially over the first uh, few years and kind of reached a plateau about five years ago just because of sort of the demand for Operation Fruit Rescue and the stretch of the volunteers uh, that were working with Operation Fruit Rescue. Some people joined the organization because they wanted to know what to do with the fruit uh, and what they could do with the fruit that they had in their own backyards. And others wanted to get fruit and stop it going from waste and get it to people who needed it. Um, and so Opera or Operation Fruit Rescue formalized its mission, vision, and values. Uh, I think it was probably 2010. And our mission was uh, offer was uh, mobilize volunteers to harvest, process, preserve, and donate local fruit. Offer will get the fruit into the hands, mouths, and minds of people in the Edmonton Capital Region by fostering community involvement and knowledge sharing. And the vision for Offer was the Edmonton Capital Region is a place where all of the locally grown fruit is used productively to support the health and the well-being of the community. And I think that that really sort of resonates uh, so much with the people of Edmonton and a good reason why they wanted to be involved with Offer is because their mission and their vision was really sort of, I'm gonna say pure in, it, in, in, its, uh, in its heart. Hmm. Hmm. Takes hard work to create a good vision. Um, I, I, hope, I hope to create a saying that all good things start at a potluck because uh, I, I would love for that to be true. I don't know if it is, it probably isn't, but I, I wanted to start saying all good things start with a potluck. I will say that um, all good things started a potluck. I yes. have met uh, uh, one of Offer's board member at a potluck. Uh, and uh, she has been instrumental in, in sort of, and this was Andrea Dunn, I met at uh, a potluck uh, hosted by Tad Hargrave as part of his uh, monthly sort of uh, potlucks. And so, we, we touched base and we were able to share uh, sort of our visions about what we wanted to see and what we were doing. And we're like, we need a web host. Mm. I'm a web designer. This could work. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I do think that a lot of things start uh, great with potlucks. So mm -hmm. I think you're saying mm -hmm. it has meaning. Awesome. Yeah, um, Sarah, uh, over the years, I'm sure Offer has collaborated with many different organizations and at Leftovers, we love collaboration and we'd love to know who have been your primary partners and in what form. Yeah, so I guess we didn't really talk about what the form of Operation Fruit Rescue has been. And so uh, it, it mainly has involved volunteers harvesting fruit from people's backyards. And then a portion of that fruit is donated to food charities around the city and then a portion is used by the volunteers. And so of course we have had connection with a lot of the food charities in Edmonton that can take and distribute food to people in need. Mm. So we've done a lot of donating to the food bank um, as well as uh, food charities that make meals on a regular basis. So the Hope Mission and uh, the Bissell Center, I used to donate to quite a bit groups like YES that support youth that are in need, and then also groups like WINGS that, um, you know, all of these food organizations that support people in need. So we've been glad to be able to contribute a lot to those groups. 
Um, as far as the orchard goes, which is another, a big aspect of what we do is maintain a micro orchard at the Macaulay schools, the former Macaulay school site. And for the design and implementation of that and a lot of the maintenance that's happened over the four or five years that the orchard has been there, we've worked with Edmonton Permaculture Guild. And so of mm -hmm. course their, their mandate um, aligns very well with developing a, uh, an orchard that's going to be a beautiful, main, uh, sustainable space that can be enjoyed by people for a long time. So we really appreciate the, the collaboration that we've had with Edmonton Permaculture Guild for that. There's also, um, we've worked with businesses that have a similar mandate to us as well. Um, Prairie North Cider is a local business that uses rescued apples to make cider. And so, of course, they had an interest in us because they were looking for apples. And uh, we have used their expertise to help us host um, apple uh, cider pressings at the orchard where they had a lot of experience and equipment that was um, very efficient at making cider. And so we really mm -hmm. valued working with them and having their expertise at those events as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then of course, last but not least at all is our latest uh, partnership with Leftovers, which will mm -hmm. see Leftovers taking over Backyard Fruit Rescue in Edmonton. So that obviously has been a, a wonderful connection in lots of ways. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate that. Um, I feel uh, the need to have a disclosure is currently the president of the Edmonton Permaculture Guild as well. And I know there's some permies that have joined here and thanks for joining other permaculture folks. But yeah, I would love to dive into the, the partnership with Leftovers and introduce so people have a grounding of not only what offer has been doing, but also the services offer will be operating in, uh, in the future. Um, and maybe Sarah, could you walk us through how like Mike expressed some challenges of the, the volunteers and, and the stretch that you're doing experiencing. Could you elaborate on that and why and how this opportunity for partnership came in? Mm -hmm. So initially our organization worked on a fruit captain model. So we, we had individuals from the organization host each pick. So there was a, a, a person, a human, who actually organized each pick and then hosted it at the backyard. So um, we liked a lot of things about this model because um, it made people comfortable knowing that there was a representative of the organization there. And it, it did develop this uh, community, this relationship between both the fruit captains who would work with the homeowners and with the fruit captains and the volunteers and of course with the volunteers and the homeowners and so we we really like that aspect but it was really limited because it required a volunteer to organize each pick and be present and to mm -hmm. do all that groundwork so after the first few years of operation of the organization we realized man we just cannot do that many picks this way and so um we acquired a software that helped us to um, electronically coordinate these things with a little less human uh, input, which was great in some ways because it increased our capacity a great deal, but it also kind of removed that community, uh, you know, people getting together as an event to do a fruit pick. It removed mm -hmm. a lot of that. So there are pros and cons, but man, we started rescuing way more fruit, but it, 
even though it was mostly automated, it did take a lot more volunteer hours than we were counting on to maintain that system. And so it required a human volunteer to work pretty much every day going through all the invites, at least an hour a day going through all the invites and sending out all the confirmations. And so, um, you know, it outgrew us. We're 100% volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was kind of a specialized set of skills to have that kind of knowledge of both email and software and internet and fruit rescue to be able to coordinate all those things. And so it just, it outgrew us in a volunteer capacity. And so Mm -hmm. We were looking for uh, uh, options. What are we going to do? We can't, we're not, we can't sustain fruit rescue at this pace, at this capacity. So we knew we either had to come up with a totally new model for ourselves that would require a lot of money and a lot of work that, you know, we're just a very small uh, volunteer group. So um, when I heard about when, actually, when you started, um, introducing yourself and leftovers to groups around the city and um you know i saw what you did in your mandate and saw that you were already electronically coordinating people to rescue food it just seemed like such a great opportunity so that's how that came to be and i'm just so glad thanks yeah and while the way the way you discussed it is like i have to like emphasize that as you were making these changes, Fruit Rescue was also growing with you. And, uh, you know, as you were, you know, making, improving your systems, the, the pace of the growth was um, even greater. And so even though Offer might be a relatively small group of volunteers, you have created something that is absolutely incredible for a group of volunteers to do. And thank you very much for both of you, like so much for the work you put in. Yeah, well, thank you. We, um, you know, I'm so grateful to the other volunteers that I've worked with on our board who have put in an incredible amount of work. And yeah, because of the work that Operation Fruit Rescue did, the concept of Fruit Rescue and the, um, you know, that the, both the community spirit of wanting to get the food into people's hands, but then also the idea of um, being more connected to local food systems, like all that has grown mm -hmm. so much through mm -hmm. Operation Fruit Rescue, but also just in general, in Edmonton culture, I think, and, you mm -hmm. know, more broadly. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, we're really proud of how we've contributed to that so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Uh, because since Operation Fruit Rescue uh, started, uh, City of Edmonton has then created the Edmonton Food Council and has then uh, started to implement food policies that are much more in line with sort of a resilient Edmonton uh, that um, is looking at ways to um, be more independent and self-sufficient inside itself. And I mm -hmm. think that um, organizations like Operation Fruit Rescue, organizations like Leftovers, organizations like uh, Prairie North Cider, are all sort of little little entities that uh, are are making a difference uh, and hopefully changing how people think about uh, food in the Edmonton Capital Region. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's a there's a, a segue there that I want to chase, but I think I want to rewind first and just um, keep flushing out what the the partnership between leftovers and uh, 
offer is going to be. And, and maybe Sarah, could you just um, like point blank, like this is what's being handed over and this is what offer will continue to do and what your focus is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So we are handing over backyard fruit rescue to leftovers. So going forward, um, leftovers will be coordinating fruit growers with volunteers who want to pick that fruit through their app. So that will all happen through leftovers website. Hmm. And so that leaves Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton able to focus on other things that have been in important parts of our mandate and things that we wanted to work on. Um, and the, the two main ones I would say are the orchard, which um, is a beautiful space that we envision as a community hub for learning about using local food, as well as you know using that space as um, a, a way to educate people. And so that's the other aspect. Well, I guess there's three because there's there's the educating people about how to use fruit and and local rescued food, and then the third thing would be Operation Fruit Rescue being able to actually do some of that processing and preserving mm -hmm. that would. Um, make the the fruit last longer to be able to be used by people because that's one of the intense things about uh, fruit rescue is the season is so short but there's so much fruit and so there's only so much that food organizations can use in the short term but if we can mobilize people and resources to come up with creative ways to preserve that fruit then we can have a food supply available to people you know through the whole year. So mm -hmm. we, so those are the three things that, that Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton will now focus on is the maintenance and development of the orchard, administering and um, facilitating educational opportunities for people around using local food and trying to support initiatives that help to actually get some of that food preserved for people to be able to use. Love that. We are going to be doing fruit picks, correct? Oh, that is a good point because we loved our fruit captain model so much and we we really enjoy inviting people to a source of fruit for mm -hmm. for volunteers to be able to pick fruit we we are going to be doing guided fruit picks as well yes right right yeah with the uh, group picks and gleans we're going to work with uh yeah we're going to work together and you might yeah. facilitate some on your own um yeah. for farms and uh multi-house picks in the region which is great and i love this because Leftovers can focus on what we're best at, which is the technology based, like mobilizing community, getting a lot of people out to rescue food and offer can focus on the educational aspects um, that you have like 15 experience, 15 years experience now, almost 13, 13 years. Um, yeah, but uh, such a wealth of the knowledge and, um, and it's great that that will continue to be around. And at the same time, fruit rescue will be able to grow. Let's dive into the first item you mentioned there, the orchard. Uh, Mike, you're the current orchard manager. And could you tell us a bit more about it and some of the successes hey, you've seen? With Mike it? is the orchard creator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, <clears throat> it was, uh, it was a long process to actually do it. So, I mean, the orchard actually was born out of uh, necessity uh, because uh, we acquired an Apple press uh, in year two. Uh, and part of this process was us uh, going into this sort of social economical model where we would try to produce preserves um, that we could then create a sustainable model from. 
And so that's where the quarter system came in, quarter for Operation Fruit Rescue, quarter for homeowners, quarter for charities, and quarter uh, divided by everybody who came on the pick. And so since um, most people or most homeowners didn't want their quarter because they were just overrun with apples, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, pickers sometimes actually didn't even want that much. They just wanted to rescue the fruit and give it to somebody. And so uh, charities and offer was a huge uh, benefactor. And so we had uh, literally tons of apples coming into my backyard. And I think it was year three that we pressed over a thousand liters of cider and put them into one liter mason jars and we had them stacked up in our basement that we could then take them to um, the farmer's market to actually sell. And we quickly found that uh, the system was, uh, we, we just couldn't do what we wanted to focus on the education. And so the, the, uh, <clears throat> the orchard was born out of that necessity to get it out of my backyard uh, so that I could actually then grow some, some of my own food in my backyard rather than just press apples. And so it was about a two-year process of working with the city, uh, and Jane Molstad was a fantastic supporter of Operation Fruit Rescue. She was the community coordinator for Macaulay area. She has since retired, uh, and she's like, pick a lot, any lot you want, and we're like, I want the school, and we're like, why? And so the school uh, was close to downtown. It was on a major thoroughfare, 107A. And so anybody who knows where the orchard is, it's uh, on 107A between 95th and 96th Street on the backside of the Intercultural Center. And uh, we gathered together architects, permaculture experts, uh, residents of the community um, at, uh, at uh, Kazian's office, which I was working at. And we had sort of a design charrette where we went through permaculture principles to design the orchard. And out of the five groups, we collaborated and then we basically, I consolidated all these designs into sort of a single holistic design, put together the design, drew it up, worked with a landscape architect to get it approved uh, or to get the sketches done, and then did up all the drawings and then presented it to the city uh, where we could actually get our permit. We then applied for two initial grants and then a third grant. So. Uh, the first grant was for $10,000 and the second grant was for 10,000. So we had $20,000 to actually start. And then uh, we followed up the, the, the next year with another $5,000 grant. And it was amazing to see sort of the people come together and the orchard uh, focuses on permaculture principles. And in the last five years, we've been working with the Edmonton Permaculture Guild to refine some of those processes where we actually are now changing the orchard to more of a, a micro uh, fungi base, uh, mycorrhizal mm -hmm. base, rather than sort of the grass base that we had before. Because our initial ideas were to uh, put uh, nitrogen fixing clover throughout the entire orchard so that it would be nice and lush and green. But we then uh, soon realized that the quack grass was coming through and out competing the clover. And so we actually had a big mess in our hand. And so we're like, well, what if we actually then work with sort of this uh, idea of the forest and then bring it back in? So we started to do some stuff with um, Kruger Family Fungi Farm where they came and did some workshops with us. And we planted sort of a mycorrhizal base throughout the entire half of the orchard. And it's really started to take off throughout the entire thing. 
uh, we'll go back just slightly. And so the design is based uh, around sort of a Mandela uh, with sort of nodes coming off of that Mandela. And so we planted um, about 30 different varieties of fruit tree, which uh, we selected based upon regional uh, sort of priority and sort of when they would ripen. So theoretically, as you walk around the orchard, the fruit will actually ripen as we go. So we got early ripening fruit in early August. Then we got like mid ripening in mid August. Then we got our September apples and then we got our October late apples. And then we've got our espalier trees where we've got two espaliers of pears and two espaliers of apples. And then we created a raised bed uh, impromptu uh, where we've got uh, our grapes uh, on espalier and then we can grow sort of like sort of color in there uh, because this was one of the things that we noticed is that the, the orchard will ever be growing and changing as we work. But one of the things that we needed to do and one of the things that we forgot about was that it needed color. It needed a lot of color to actually make it inviting. So bringing in the perennials and the annuals in sort of that raised bed front really made it inviting for people to actually come in and change that look. And the second thing that happened after we planted the trees was a few years ago, the living bridge, uh, which was created uh, as that pedway across between um, the Epcor Tower and uh, the Downtown Museum was um, a location where fruit uh, bushes were growing. And uh, the station lands, which owns that property said that they need to remove it all. And so we were the recipients of 20 plus sort of shrubs and we planted those ones around sort of the pathways. So now we've got our upper story of trees which are coming in nicely. And now we've got sort of a lower mid story. And then we've got our ground cover which we're, which we're covering around our paths. And so awesome. it's coming along really nicely. And I was there last week and I was just like, the trees are starting to take shape. They're coming up, they're getting big. We've got uh, Alex on our board, who's uh, an arborist, who's uh, come in and did some fantastic pruning on the trees now that they're actually nice and pruned. We had Dustin Bajer come in and he did some rogue grafting on our trees. Uh, so now we've got like more different varieties of it. And we've had lots of fantastic support from the, from the community and volunteers to actually help build the orchard. Um, awesome. <clears throat> Mike, yeah, I, I'd um, just like to say the, yeah. the orchard is such a fun space like it's such a small area but there's so much going on there that in any season it's really fun to say yes everybody come visit the orchard it's it's really yeah. neat it, um, in the spring it's so neat when things are just starting to green up and emerge and then throughout the summer just so many different fruit trees blooming which um, for those of you it's like I'm an entomologist, so like bugs are my thing. So anytime mm. you've got a whole bunch of stuff blooming, then you get a whole bunch of really cool bugs coming to see things as well. So so it's just a really neat space with a lot going on. Um, and then of course, once the fruit starts ripening, there's fruit, which what's better than that? So uh, yeah, no, the orchard is, it's a beautiful space. And so I encourage you to check it out for fun, or as I'm sure I'll mention again, we do need volunteers to help us uh, maintain that space and work on it and um, if you're if you're any of the weirdos out there that are like me and you like weeding 
that is something that we can always use at the orchard. And I, I really enjoy that and find it therapeutic. So yeah, we can always use that at the orchard as well. So mm, nice mm -hmm. work, Mike. It's a beautiful orchard. Yeah, I was lucky enough to go to some of the workshops, some of the apple pressings. And um, it's actually one of the service agencies that we both work, both work with, the Multicultural Health Brokers, who was, are also one of the previous guests on the webinar there and the Intercultural Centre. So every now and then I'm dropping off food there and take a walk through the orchard and it's absolutely a gorgeous space. Anything else you wanted to add on to that, to, to the orchard, Mike? Uh, I just see someone in the chat asking for the address again. So it's the old Macaulay School site, 107A Avenue and 95th and 96th Street. So right by, um, mm -hmm. right by Little Italy. There. I just typed it in. To, okay, the, to the you. window chat. Yeah. Uh, I saw that one and it's like, I'll, I'll take care of this Good one. Good idea. I think one of the things that I love hearing is sort of the uh, stories is that um, one of the things uh, about it is that uh, the home, it used to be a school. So I thought that was actually brilliant, but they changed it into an intercultural center. And um, part of the reason why they really liked offer there is because it added diversity to it. The city realized that uh, to create a hub, and they, they wanted to create these sort of hubs, is that the, the, they need things that will attract people. And so uh, cultural relevant scenarios, uh, food-based uh, organizations uh, really start to work together. And the Intercultural Center uh, works brilliantly with that because there's a lot of immigrants that come in and they have their own knowledge about fruit from where they, where they, wherever they come from. And so seeing this fruit outside, they're like uh, asking us like, what, what grows here? This is Edmonton, it snows all the time. And we're like, you got pears, you got uh, apples, you got cherries. And then they're like, I need cherry leaves. I need cherry leaves so I can do my preserving in my traditional, traditional manner. And so they're falling in love with sort of the orchard because they can start to use that and start to bring some of their uh, heritage with them rather than sort of abandoning it completely that they are now integrating more holistically within sort of the, the, the culture and then having that support system all the way around. And so I really love that sort of part of it where where um, you can create sort of this diverse ecosystem that then supports the diverse cultures that we actually have in Edmonton. Awesome, great space. Um, I'd love to dive into uh, something that both of you alluded to at previous uh, points already, and that's the different ways that we can make use of fruit. And um, let's, let's just brainstorm. Uh, Sarah, do you wanna start? Sure. Um, I can I can easily honestly say that I eat rescued fruit every day and awesome. um, yeah um, mostly apples because that's what they're mostly is but one of the great things about apples is they're they're they preserve very well they're very yummy and um, they're abundant so, and of course, they're very good for you. So the, the more apples you can incorporate in your diet, I don't think is going to hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. So some of my favorite ways to preserve fruit are, um, I don't like e eating a lot of sugar. So um, I don't make a lot. I used to can fruit 
But uh, now I freeze a lot of my fruit because I don't want to add the sugar, which is somewhat required for preserving fruit. Um, mm. I do make jam because everybody loves jam. And so, um, but what this is, is apple butter. So this is cinnamon apple butter and it's super easy to make. It's delicious and everybody loves jam, right? So um, with apple butter, because apples have so much pectin in them, you don't even have to add pectin. It, it thickens up nicely just with apples. And um, I add hardly any sugar. Um, so, uh, so apple butter is a great one because of course everybody loves jam, but the, lots of the traditional fruits for jam are not as abundant. But the other thing that apples are great for is extending rarer fruits. So if you've got a liter of raspberries and 25 pounds of apples, you can make apple raspberry jam and you can make twice as much of it and you still get, it's still great and raspberry-y, but you can make so much more because you can extend with apples. I love the I apple also butter. can applesauce, <laughs> zero sugar. It's just literally cooked apples with cinnamon in it. And then I hot, I hot pack it and then I can it. And then I'll just say a word about crab apples, which is they're amazing and they're super abundant and they are um, very useful. So, <laughs> So one of the most popular ways that I've given crab apples away and that is delicious is canning them whole because the pain thing about crab apples is that they're so little that no one wants to work with them because you have to, you know, who wants to cut out the cores. I can them whole. You can do them like sweet with like Christmas spices or um, an old timey thing is pickling crab apples, which in which mm. case you, you do the sweet but you also add the vinegar and they are mm. delicious and mm. people love them. And you don't even have to, um, you know, zero processing. You just cook them whole with the stems and then they have a lovely little holder and I just eat them whole. Like you don't have to take the cores out or anything. So cool. yeah. So I do a little bit of fruit processing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so those are kind of some of the, the more traditional kind of processing. I also dehydrate, so dried apples. Um, Fine which last forever and are delicious. But something that, because I don't like eating a lot of sugar, something I was really happy to explore is savory uses for fruit, right? So not using it as, oh, and of course I used to bake with it, but then I found I just ate all the baking and then I got celiac disease. So I don't do as much baking anymore. So I wanted mm. savory uses for fruit. Mm. So some of the neatest things I've discovered that people love are uh, rhubarb salsa. So just take, Take any fresh salsa recipe and just replace the tomatoes with blanched rhubarb. Cool. It's delicious. Also hmm. uh, rhubarb curry. I just make curry, but just with the main vegetable or whatever as is rhubarb. Um, and then apple chili. So add a little sweetness to your chili with uh, by adding, you know, one or several cups of apples. That's awesome. Super fun. Oh, someone mentions a Japanese style curry with apples too. Yeah. And the other one was like a Mediterranean uh, sour cherry rice I've made as well. Mm -hmm. That was really good. So, so yeah. Like anything to add to that list? Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, for myself, I actually really like uh, dehydrating fruits and actually turning them into fruit roll-ups. So combining raspberry with apple uh, makes a fantastic roll-up. And then I'll, I've got um, an Excalibur dehydrator, a nine tray, so it's brilliant. And you can just stack them up, 
and it's on it's a, it, they got the fan horizontally so you can get it even cooking across rather than the one coming from the bottom because we nearly burned down our house with the one from the bottom when we were doing sort of a dehydrated like cookie uh and it didn't work out we nearly just burnt down the house but mm. anyways uh fruit roll-ups are fantastic um i'm a big cider person and so not in the fact that i actually drink hard cider because i really suck at making hard cider but I'm really, really good at making apple cider vinegar. Mm. And that's just letting your apple cider just ferment with like uh, a very uh, thin cloth over the top and make sure you wrap it because otherwise you're going to get fruit flies all through it. Mm. And then you take it and you stir it like once a week from September, uh, basically till December. And you've got just a, a rocking good like apple cider and you'll have a good mother. And if you don't want to actually like, uh, invest in making that mother each time just take some of Bragg's apple cider vinegar with mother and just add like a couple teaspoons and it'll instantly turn it to apple cider vinegar once I actually get my apple cider vinegar then then it opens up a whole new can of worms because I use it for cooking as like a sweetened sort of uh, wine uh, sort of vinegar with caramelized mm. apples you need or caramelized onions you need sort of the apple cider uh, add a little bit of sweetness to it uh, use it in uh, uh, working with sort of a vinegar for a cleaning solution. So then I don't actually have to uh, go out and buy that. And, and then I also usually make about a carboy for my wife uh, because she uses that in her beauty products. So hmm. my wife runs a business called Plantiful. Uh, and so with that, uh, she takes the apple cider vinegar as a base for her toners. Uh, so you can actually tone your skin with it with a couple of essential oils and some stuff like that. And it just cleans it right up and makes my face awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the use goes beyond food. It goes into like every sort of household cleaning product. You don't need to go out and buy like CLR, just make some vinegar and you're, and, and you're in, and, and you're in business. Uh, we've also done so beyond the toners we also do it for a hair rinse as well so people who want to like, get beyond or outside of sort of regular sort of shampoo and conditioner you can go with a baking soda uh, solution and then an apple cider vinegar rinse as well so uh, going going through it is just there, there's so many possibilities and I'm sure there's people out there have got so many more uh, recipes out there but uh, I think those are probably my my favorite dehydrating with it uh, making fruit roll-ups um, and Sarah's taking the cake on the apple butter because I use that in my cooking because my wife doesn't uh, eat eggs so we use mm. apple butter as an egg replacer because it's got enough pectin and stability that you can hold it together so mm. put that in with some burgers or some venison and you're you're on cloud nine cool very cool huh Lovely. I would love to um, move into audience questions at this point. We have blown through the first 45 minutes of our webinar, and I wish we had another hour um, because I only got through a fraction of the questions that I would love to discuss with you. And uh, yeah, so I see there's a couple of questions that have already been asked. Can you post how to volunteer and sign up? Um, I'd say I'm going to give a quick overview of the leftovers volunteer opportunities, and then, uh, Sarah, you can talk about the um, offer volunteer opportunities. So for leftovers, that's the backyard fruit rescue and also just general food rescue from businesses. 
uh, we use the leftovers app so that you can go to this rescuefood.ca here and find out more information about leftovers and find out the volunteer opportunities there. And uh, for offer, how would people go about volunteering? So if people want to email us, you can email us at info at operationfruitrescue.org. And our website is operationfruitrescue.org. And all the information will be there. Um, so as far as volunteering for Operation Fruit Rescue goes, we are currently looking for board members, especially people mm. who have uh, social media skills that would like to help spread the word about what we're doing and, and keep us on the forefront of what people are seeing that's going on. And then also, um, we would especially like for people who are uh, interested in planning events and working with us for planning events for the orchard. And then also, like we mentioned, literally volunteering in the orchard. And so you could either volunteer in a, in a you know, committee kind of way for the, for the orchard and be more involved in the planning and the coordinating that. Or we do just have events where we um, shout out to, you know, invite volunteers to come and work for the day to help right. us out uh, to either get the pathways set up for the year or do some weeding or, um, and often in, in association with those events, there are learning opportunities, right? So we try to coordinate work events with workshops so that people can learn some skills that they could apply to their own yard um, as well. So, um, so yeah, I invite you to contact us. There was something else I was gonna mention about the website. There's the orchard uh, opening, uh event on was it the 6th that we've decided yeah june 6th so june oh 6th. that's what i was going to say on our website there's the opportunity to sign up for our newsletter and through the newsletter you will get a uh, word of all our events that are happening uh right to your inbox so you can sign up for that oh there there's andrea our super savvy tech and website person posting our uh email information there but also mm -hmm. definitely check out the website mm -hmm. Yeah, so the the orchard uh, typically officially opens the week after uh, the long weekend because uh, that's typically the time that we do our first sort of planting. I think we've uh, shifted that out to uh, June 6th now uh, just due to sort of time and uh, uh, the ability of our uh, orchard crew and myself. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, next question we have is, uh, are recipes available? Does Offer have a bank of recipes or any go-to recipe? No, locations? so that, that's one of the things that we would like to start developing more, right? Mm -hmm. um, is working on providing resources for people to uh, find recipes, but also share recipes. Like I love in the chat how people are, are sharing their own ideas of how they use their fruit so that... Um, you know, we can really uh, collect that knowledge and be able to get people maximizing their use of local fruit. So mm -hmm. that is the kind of thing that we want to work on going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great idea. I have yeah. a few recipes that uh, Operation Fruit Rescue developed in the very early days, mm -hmm. uh, since Amy developed the recipes uh, with one of the uh, earliest board members. Uh, and so uh, this this was in the lead up to sort of like an offer a cookbook uh, that was part of it. And so there is, uh, as part of the fruit rescue organizations across Canada, Winnipeg was putting together sort of um, uh, a cookbook of 
uh, a recipe from everybody everybody around. I'd have to check and see where that actually is. But um, I know that we've got uh, the cherry amaretto syrup recipe, uh, which was a fantastic uh, recipe for anybody uh, and mm-hmm. um, a few others. But uh, yeah, I, I, we, we need to start with that and then grow it uh, and then get all the other ones in there so that we can actually really develop this into something that would be um, uh, downloadable. So if anybody in the crowd feels like, hey, I have great ideas for how you could collect recipes and organize them into a PDF, a shareable something, you know, contact us and we'd love to have people who are interested in working on that work with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Love that. Um, next question we have, I believe from Kira is, um, Kira says, I didn't realize how much fruit could be grown in Yeg. Are there unique challenges with growing fruit slash running an orchard in our northern climate? Yes. And uh, Sarah would be the expert at this because the biggest problem that Edmonton faces is uh, apple maggots. Hmm. Um, 10 years ago, or like 13 years ago, when we first started, I would say that one in 10 trees had apple maggots. And now it's almost 10 in 10 trees actually have apple maggots. Um, And so it made it really hard for us to work with charities where we said that we will only donate quality fruit uh, because we do not want to sort of uh, provide uh, fruit with apple maggots to the charities because um, there's a sense of liability uh, for that and because we want people to understand that there's still quality fruit that can be grown in Edmonton. And so mm-hmm. want to expand on that, Sarah? Yeah, apple maggot. I don't know if it, it's not unique to our climate, to the, to the northern climate, but it is certainly the primary um, limiting factor and, uh, and unfortunate thing that has happened to our local fruit supply. Mm-hmm. So apple maggot is differently bad for different apples. So later season apples tend to be much more resistant because they're too little when the maggot, when the flies are out laying their eggs. So, but early apples are very hard hit and they, uh, some of them become almost unusable. Um, so yeah, that has been a big challenge. So if you'd like to know more about apple maggot and how to deal with it and how to protect your apples from it, um, I'm actually hosting a webinar on June 13th through Operation Fruit Rescue talking about apple maggot and um, what to watch for, how to prevent it, what you can do with maggoty apples, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's huge. And one of the mm-hmm. most unfortunate things is that, especially for people who don't use their fruit on a regular basis, add maggots into that so that the fruit is actually unusable. And this, yeah. I think, will encourage a lot of people to actually remove their trees, um, yeah. which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because, it, you know, if, if the pest can be managed, fruit trees are just so such a valuable resource. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, more of a personal or like leftovers programming question that I just have mm-hmm. to ask because it's mm-hmm. too relevant right now. We were going and setting up our volunteer manual and I noticed that you said uh, in the offer manual that you sent us, the fruit that falls to the ground should not be put in the compost. It should be thrown in the garbage. Does that change now that we're having the city come and do composting or does that, regardless of where the compost is going, it has to be garbage? No. That's a really good question. We've We've informed uh, people before that uh, 
when you because what you're happening is you've got windfall and so that's what happens when it comes down to the ground before you actually pick it it's classified as windfall and so uh the apple maggots can actually wave in there and you can get other things on those apples and so we say don't process those apples take them put them in a bag put them out to the city the city gets their compost because it's regulated up to the high enough temperature to actually kill the apple maggots. And that's our okay. biggest concern is that we don't want people to home compost unless you're a master composter because the apple maggot is so resilient to sort of compost is that they'll live in it unless you can get your compost up to the temperature that's needed to actually compost for a long enough period to actually kill them. It's kind of like the mm -hmm. pine beetle. It's like the pine beetle uh, wears winter really well because they almost have like glycol in their blood. So they're meant for winter. And so unless you can get down to minus 40 for like five days to kill them, they ain't going anywhere. Same yeah. thing with apple maggots. Mm -hmm. They're not going anywhere if you just put them into your compost and you barely do anything. So mm -hmm. we've always said, give it to the city where the city's compost system is regulated in a in a way that will prevent the spread of apple maggots. But that is Great. a good point, Garnet, because we did used to say put them in the garbage for the landfill because mm -hmm. Edmonton used to sort the garbage in the tumbler and the organics would fall out and whatever, but that system is no longer in place. But mm -hmm. you're right, probably now we could tell people that they can put their apples in the in the compost. I'll have to look into that. But yes, mm -hmm. not your backyard compost, unless you are like, yes, very highly qualified as a composter to get it up to temperature to kill things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, otherwise you'd just be spreading apple maggots further. Mm -hmm. And the, mm -hmm. the maggot doesn't stay on your property. The maggot can travel up to a kilometer around. So once emerged as a fly. Yeah, once yeah. emerged as a fly. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's coming up, your, your apple maggots are not just your problem, they're everybody within a kilometer radius. And that's why at the workshop as well, like there's there's so much you can do to control the apple maggot for your own tree, but you can't control what people are doing to their trees. And so then there are other uh, ways to interface between the flies and your apples to prevent them from getting infected. So that's the kind of stuff I'll be talking about at the webinar. Awesome. Sounds very informative and I will be there. Great. Yep. <laughs> I have a lot to learn in this department um, as you've already taught me so much. Uh, I think that I will lean into one last question here and, oh, wait, I had another thought as you were talking about apple maggots. What if we could eat the apple maggots? Absolutely. Like a source of protein? You can eat apple maggots. This is not a problem. Well, well heck, Do it all the time. Well, I feel like maybe we have the wrong idea, folks. Maybe instead of getting rid of the apple maggots, we just <laughs> farm the apple maggots in our apple trees. This is great. Okay, new solution. There's, there's a... <laughs> Yeah, um, good ideas. What you're doing though, uh, Garnet, is that you're you're farming the apple maggot for the protein, but you really want the fruit. The question <laughs> is, which one are you actually farming? Yeah. And I think mm. that in reality, you still want to be farming the fruit, not actually the maggot. So maybe if there's a way to control the <laughs> fly, because the fly is not necessarily what you're really after. Mm. Yes. Mm. So um, yes, I have not thought about ways to uh, to like gr like harvest the maggots, but you can certainly eat apples that have maggots in them. That is not a problem. And you Great. can totally press them into cider. Yeah. <laughs> yes, apple maggot recipes in the yeah, absolutely. 
great. Coming <laughs> soon to a cookbook near you. Um, one, I think that I would like to just finish off with one question to the both of you, and that is, what do you see as the potential for backyard fruit rescue? What are your hopes and dreams? Um, things that Offer wasn't able to do uh, in his time, and now that you're handing it off to leftovers, what's the best case scenario? I think it's always been sort of one of the things that what we wanted to do was to teach people about sort of what can grow in the Edmonton capital region because it's uh, a northern community, but there's still an abundance of, of food that can actually come here. So I, I still believe in sort of our mission um, and our vision that we're going to um, process and harvest all the local fruit in the Edmonton capital region so that we're less reliant on apples from Fiji, from California and everywhere else is that we can do this here. Mm. We just need uh, the energy uh, of people to understand that uh, this food is good, healthy, organic food. It's not sprayed with pesticides mm -hmm. on uh, like massive orchards and that we can create our own reliance and resilience uh, and food system because the best agricultural land in the world is all based under cities. Cities were formed on prime agricultural land mm -hmm. and it's the best place to actually grow food. And it's mm -hmm. the place that can extend your growing season by weeks in Edmonton rather than just outside mm -hmm. of Edmonton mm -hmm. because of just of that heat island effect. You can do so much. And so I want to see all of the fruit rescued and all of the fruit used effectively by people in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen mm -hmm. with leftovers and with offer and with everybody else who wants to do it. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate that your passion really shines through and your belief in the vision shines through after many years of hard work. That's, uh, yeah, that's commitment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Anything to add to that, Sarah? Oh, just that, yeah, I, uh, what I've wanted to do for years with Operation Fruit Rescue um, is get more fruit rescued, which I hope we're going to be able to do that by passing it off to leftovers and mm -hmm. um, supporting you guys in growing the literal like backyard fruit rescue um, administration. And then, yeah, I, I would love to work with Operation Fruit Rescue to start mobilizing teams somehow and put in the infrastructure and the teams to preserve fruit in fruit season so that we can have that food for the whole year. Because I know it was Mike and I have both said independently that uh, if we could harvest and process all the apples in Edmonton, we would not need to import apples. Mm -hmm. And again, I saw someone's comment about the, the grocery chains not liking that. And uh, it's one of those things about like, um, you know, you have a vision and what would the world actually look like if that vision came true? But but I, I, I hate to see these apples that are growing so um, kind of naturally, right? Like um, don't require a lot of resources to grow apples here, a very small carbon footprint. And uh, it would just be great to be able to harness all that especially because there are people in need. Absolutely. Well, with that, I'll say thanks very, very much to the both of you for joining us tonight and sharing your wisdom. And 
sharing your wisdom with me and leftovers and uh and gifting leftovers with this incredible thing that you've built up over the past 13 years so very much gratitude no, it was th a pleasure thanks so here. much yeah pleasure to talk to you and thanks for having us and we're looking forward to a great summer fruit rescue all around mm -hmm. wonderful great thanks folks and we will see you next time and as is becoming a custom with the wasted webinar we're going to end with some accordion music dun, 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 dun. Mm, something a little more lively today Thanks, folks. See you next time.